So this is a message that was going back to about a month ago, um, which was prepped and all, and then I got sick the night before. <laughs> David got a phone call about seven, half seven, I can't remember what time it was, the next morning. It was like, not feeling so good. The flu hit our house big time. So this is a message from about a month back. Um, and I started looking at it again a few days ago, and I sort of tweaked it. So it's called, What Is Your Song? But it could equally be called God is Singing. Um, so we're going to be looking at Zephaniah 3, particularly verse 17. Uh, but we'll maybe just read a bit of Zephaniah 3. Um, let's start from verse 9. For at that time I will change the speech of the peoples to pure speech. Then all of them will call upon my name, the name of the Lord, and serve him with one accord. From beyond the rivers of Cush, my worshippers, the daughter of the, my dispersed ones, shall bring my offering. On that day you shall not be put to shame because of the deeds by which you have rebelled against me. For then I will remove from your midst your proudly exalted ones, and you shall no longer be haughty in my holy mountain. But I will leave in your midst a people humble and lowly. They shall seek refuge in the name of the Lord, those who are left in Israel. They shall do no injustice and speak no lies. Nor shall there be found in their mouths a deceitful tongue, for they shall graze and lie down, and none shall make them afraid. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel, rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion, let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. And we'll probably leave it there. So it's, it's that last verse really that we're, we're going to look at. Um, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Initially, for me, the first time I sort of came across this concept of God singing was a way back um, donkeys ago. It was actually a delirious gig in the spring and air break. don't know if anybody was there at the time. Spring and air break of all places for delirious um, Martin Smith. He's written a lot of good songs, a lot of good songs. There was one song that started singing that night. I don't think they'd released it at that point, but it was called God is Singing Over Us. And it's not a particularly great song. It's nothing to write home about, but that night, there was something about it. He, he was singing with passion. He believed what he was singing. And I was kind of like, in the spring and air break in Belfast, the sticky floor, God is singing over us tonight. It was like, it was a bit of, a, what? How could God be singing over us? Not just because of where we were that night in particular, but it was more a concept of how could God be singing over us? That's that's a weird thing. That I suppose in this country we kind of think God's God is holy, but maybe we have a, just always the mindset that God's so holy that he wouldn't be singing, he wouldn't be joyful towards us. But these verses that we're going to be focusing on this morning are going to show us um, God is singing over us. He delights in us. He's a God who delights in us. He's not a God who just judges us and whips us and 
hits us over the head when we do wrong. Um, that is not his character. He is a God of judgment, but he's a holy, he's, I mean, he is a holy God, but he's a God who delights in his people. He wants a holy people. So, um, so God is singing. That is, that is what this was initially titled, God is singing. And I look back on it and I change it to what is your song? We've been looking at different people in the Bible. Um, David's been looking at different people in the Bible and their song. Today I want to challenge us, what is our song? Um, we've been already singing this morning, like we'll be singing of his goodness in the morning, we'll be singing of his goodness in the evening. Is that what we're doing? Uh, is that what your song is? So I just want to challenge myself and challenge all of us about what is our song? What are we, what are we singing? Is it a song of singing of his goodness? Or is it not? Are we not singing? Are we not singing as we should? So a wee bit of a, there's going to be like three, three phases of this initially. We're going to look at who is God singing over. So we looked at some of the verses earlier there. Um, and the, the, first, the first people that he's singing to are the Gentiles. It says, for at that time, and this is verse 9 of 7 out of 3, for at that time I will change the speech of the peoples to pure speech, that all of them may call upon the name of the Lord and serve him with one accord. So bit of background on kind of the time of Zephaniah. So Zephaniah was, a, well, really this is set during the time of Josiah the king. Um, Josiah, this is about 20 years prior to Judah being brought to exile to Babylon. And Hezekiah was his great-grandfather. So you would have read about Hezekiah in Isaiah. Hezekiah did a lot in terms of getting the people back to following God. Um, his son and his son after him led Judah back to their old ways of serving idols, um, idol worship, uh, did a lot of bad and did not walk in the ways of the Lord. Uh, and I came along and he, he pro pro pretty much followed in their suit for about 18 years. And then there was a prophet called Hil Hilkiah and he found a copy of the law in the temple. And at this, Josiah, Josiah ended up humbling himself before the Lord. It says in 2 Kings twenty two nineteen, Because your heart was penitent and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard how he spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and you have torn your clothes and wept before me, I also have heard you, declares the Lord. So Josiah, at hearing just the law and about God, um, turned and he led a time of God's people returning to him and there's a verse in the second Kings 23 25 and I hadn't seen this before but this just shows how much uh, Josiah did in that time and uh, before him there was no king like him who turned the Lord turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might according to all the law of Moses nor did any like him arise after so we always think of David, he was, he was a man after God's own heart, but here we see, see Josiah, before him there was no king like him, who turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his might, according to the law of Moses, nor did any like him arise after him. Uh, for me, I, Josiah wouldn't be a name that would crop up to me, um, maybe it does to some of you, as, as one of the mighty, mighty kings of Israel. You, you think of David, you think of Solomon, but that, that verse struck me. I was just like, wow, this guy led a mighty 
turning of the people back to back to the Lord. So we've already looked, I've, I've touched pretty much on who the next people group are. It was God's own people. So in verses 11 and 12 um, of Zephaniah 3, um, if I can get to it here. So in verse 11, All that day you shall not be put to shame because of the deeds by which you have rebelled against me. For then I will remove from your midst your proudly exalt ones, and you shall no longer be haughty in my holy mountain. But I will leave in your midst the people humble and lowly. They shall seek refuge in the name of the Lord. So God's really, in the first two chapters of um, Zephaniah, he's, he's pretty much outlining just his judgment towards the nations and Israel itself. He's pretty much setting in stone that you haven't followed after me. You're doing your own thing. This is the God's people and the nations around. And that there's going to be a coming judgment. But in chapter 3, he comes with a hope. Not just for the Jews, not just for Judah, but for the surrounding nations. That he's going to, he's going to have his own people. Um, so who's this for? Who's God singing over in verse 17 when we get to it? And he's, he's, it's, it's everyone. He's singing over us. It's not just in the context of this um, for his own people, for Judah, but he's singing over all the nations. He wants a people to be his own. Um, and that's what we're, we're going to be looking at, just um, God's love um, this morning, how he outstretched us through just giving his own son um, for us. So God is singing over us. And the answer to all this is, how, how does it come about? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. So he's singing over you this morning, and I, I don't know what that means for some of you, but that might be a, a strange thing that God's singing over you. I said about that night, listening to lyrics, and it might have been just because I, I was probably only a couple of years saved at the time, and this was just a strange concept, but God is singing over you this morning. He loves you this morning. He desires relationship with you this morning. So we've looked at who, who is he singing over? What is he singing? Um, so that's the that's the verse that we've kind of want to concentrate on this morning. The verse that hit me when I was just going through marine plant at the time was verse seventeen: "Lord, your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save." And there's three key things I want to look at in this verse. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He'll quiet you by his love, and he will exult over you with loud singing. Um, the first of those, he will rejoice over you with gladness. Um, now, the first promise and the, the last one are pretty similar, but really, uh, that's just amazing that he'll rejoice over you with gladness. Um, so I said earlier about that, that first time I heard it, it seemed outrageous, but God gave his only son, and that's equally outrageous. Um, he wants a relationship. He wants, he wants us to be in that place where, um, where we're close to him, we're walking with him. It says in Isaiah 62, 5, you don't need to turn to it. As a bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. Just amazing verses that, and I'm just going to pull out some from the Psalms, not one from Isaiah, just of God's amazing love towards us and how he deeply, deeply, deeply loves us and is passionate after us. Psalm 18, verse 19. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. 
Psalm 149 verse 4, For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. He takes pleasure in us. Luke 15, 10, and Matthew 18, we'll look at two of the parables briefly. The lost coin in Luke 15. Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I have lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And equally in, about the lost sheep in Matthew 18, verse 12. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountain and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it truly, I say to you, he rejoices over it more than the 99 that, were, went, the 99 that never went astray. So it is with the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. So just amazing, just the, look, heaven rejoices. Heaven rejoices when someone comes to him. When the one goes astray, there's rejoicing in heaven. That, that concept of just, he rejoices, all of heaven rejoices. And that's what we're about on Friday nights and what goes on here on a Sunday night as well. Just, and just whatever else is to come. That's some of, some of the guys that we're reaching out to in this town. That there'd be rejoicing, there'd be rejoicing in my heart. I know there'd be many of the guys' hearts here. would be rejoicing at just seeing one of them just being able to rejoice in him. So that, that's the first bit, that God rejoices over us. And that's just a wee bit of context as well, just about how he desires us. And again, how he delights in us. He, he really does. He delights in us. Uh, and the biggest example of where he touched on there is he gave his only son for us. It, it seems outrageous that he would delight in us. And you might be sitting here today thinking, how could he possibly delight in me? But he does. He gave his only son. The second bit, um, he will quiet you by his love. Um, there's, various, there's a couple of different translations in around this that I, I just want to touch on. I think the message actually come, brings it out quite well. Happy to have you back. He'll calm you with his love. And he'll, he will quiet, he'll be quiet in his love making no mention of your past sins is from the Amplified. Making no mention of your past sins. It's not that you come to him and he'll start pointing out this, that or the other. The Holy Spirit will do that in time. He'll, he will change you because he'll make your desires like his. But he doesn't come instantly and go, right, you've got this, that and the other wrong with you. He doesn't bring up all your past sins and condemn us. Um, that's, the, that's the devil's work. That's what the devil does. He comes to condemn us. He comes to kill, steal, steal and destroy. Um, what, does, what, does, what does the Father do? He stills us. He calms us with his love. Psalm 23 came to mind. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me by still waters. He restores my soul. He's silent towards that. You know, it's not that he ignores our sin, but it's dealt with. He's separated us as far as the east is from the west. He's taken our sin away from us because of the work done at Calvary, because of the work done on the cross. He doesn't need to come and start showing out this, that, and the other. He will change our character, but he doesn't, he wants that relationship with us. 
as I said, it's, it's, it's the enemy that comes with condemnation. Don't ever feel that you can't come into his presence or you can't spend time with him because of what you've done maybe the day before or what you've done that day or what you did last week or what happened five years ago. That's the enemy bringing back things. Once you've brought it to the, brought before him and repented and brought it before, it's covered in the blood. The blood has paid for it. You don't need to keep trying to do anything with it. You can't do anything with it. It's finished. So he quiets us by his love. Uh, I think there's a lesson in that. We need to rest in that. If he's able to rest in, in knowing that we don't need to be bringing anything before him, we, we, we need to rest in that. Um, we need to rest as he rests. Um, and any time you, you feel like you're in his presence and you, you can't enter into worship or you can't do this or that or the other, that's the enemy. Um, that's the enemy attacking you. So rest in it. Bring it before him. Move on. <laughs> the last bit of that, he'll exalt over you with loud singing. With loud singing. So the first bit was, you know, rejoice over you with gladness. With loud singing, that's, that's the bit that really struck me in this verse. With loud singing. Like, what, what does that mean that God is loudly singing? That's a strange concept, and that's something we'll, we'll explore now. But um, we don't really know exactly what what it sounds like for God to be singing. We've plenty of examples of what uh, what He spoke. Um, he spoke in the still calm, still calm voice to um, Elijah, still small voice to Elijah. Um, there's plenty of times of God speaking throughout. But I find I find a a piece on, I think it was Christian leaders, um, when I was trying to figure out just what what does this, what does God singing sound like? Like we've we've a lot of good guys singing here this morning, but what does God singing sound like? That must be totally majestic, totally unbelievable. Um, probably hard to put in the words just what that would sound like. Um, the dictionary describes singing as uttering words in tuneful succession, but it does not really describe what happens. There's a noted scholar, apparently, um, in the field of speech and song, if anybody knows, of Professor Thomas Philbrown. Philbrown? Does anybody know him? I've never heard of him, but apparently he is a scholar. <laughs> and apparently he said the difference between speaking and singing is flow. In singing, the flow of tone is unbroken between the words, but in speaking, it is interrupted. In singing, tone is sustained and changed from one pitch to another by definite intervals. Over a wide compass that includes notes not attempted in speech. In speaking, tone is unsustainable, not defined in pitch, is limited to a narrow compass, and the length of the tones is not governed by the measure of music. The reason I bring this up is the only place that I could find reference to the sound of what God's singing might be like is when it refers to the sound of rushing water. It says in Ezekiel 43, and this could be going off on a tangent, and maybe this is something for further study. Ezekiel 43, verse 2, And behold, the glory of God of Israel was coming from the east, and the sound of his coming was like the sound of many waters, and the earth shone with his glory. Right, yeah, it's talking about you know, the sound of his coming. Was it like the sound of rushing waters? 
But then in Revelation 1, 15, it says, His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. There's other, two other references to rushing waters, um, and it's not probably directly about God's voice, but it's interesting as to what it refers to. Um, Revelation 14, verse 2, And I heard a voice from heaven like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of loud thunder. The voice I heard was the sound of harpists, was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps. Rushing water, sound of harpists playing their harps. Revelation 19, verse 6, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and the sound of mighty pearls of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. So it's, it's the voice of heaven. It's the sound of heaven rejoicing, and it's worship. Now, I, I might be drawn to too, weak, uh, like too much of a... Uh, just because it says Russian waters, but I believe the sound of God... It might be coming with the sign of rejoicing. He might be singing. <laughs> might be. Because the only other reference I can find is about singing, heaven rejoicing, being likened to the sound of Russian waters. Um, and if that's the case, that's a mighty, mighty sign. <laughs> um, it, I think it's, it, it's, it's called like the sound of Russian waters because it's so loud. It can't be compared to anything else. So that, that's possibly what it, it might sound like. Um, I think it's just interesting just to just just to draw out that, that that's that's what it might sound like. Um, just a mighty, mighty loud sound of rushing waters. And I think it, it's also important to kind of draw the the parallel between what God is saying, if that's what it sounds like, and what we will be doing in heaven. We'll be joining in that multitude. So it's a picture of what we're going to be doing. Um, interesting note. Nowhere does it mention that Satan or his angels sing. They were worshippers. Satan was a worshipper. Nowhere does it mention that he sings. Um, and that's going to come into the bit that we're, we're going to look at. If he's not singing... And we know this already. He's got no joy. <laughs> Singing. Joy. So the third point then. So we've looked at who is he singing over? What is the singing like? Why is he singing? Um, why is God singing? Um... Zephaniah 3.14, we're going to mostly stay in Zephaniah 3.14, apart from some references here there. Sing, O loud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. He's commanding us to sing. He's telling us to sing. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart. Um. This is what God wants us to do. This is one of the chief things I believe God wants us to delight on him. 
he doesn't want us just to a bare set of rules and regulations and do x y and z and do all the right things he wants us to delight in him yes. he wants us to sing not just on a sunday morning or a sunday night or a tuesday night if we're singing or whatever but are you singing maybe not aloud but if you're in the car are you worshiping him you know are you singing and that mightn't be just about raising your voice but i think raising your voice is the best way naturally of singing but is there a song in your heart is there a is there a song is there a reason to sing um you might not always express that as actual singing singing but is there a joy in your heart and i said earlier satan doesn't there's no mention of him singing because there's no joy is there a joy in your heart is there a song in your heart um he wants us to sing um spurgeon quote from spurgeon it's all good to have a quote from spurgeon somewhere if god sings shall we not sing he did not sing when he made the world no he looked upon it and simply said that it was good creation could not make him sing if yet god sings over us creation all of creation and we're part of that but god sings over us and he just said creation was good um that was that's mind-blowing verse psalm 37 verse 4 says delight yourself in the lord there's there's many a verse i could pick out about delighting yourself in the lord but it's a command for us to sing unto him to delight in him <coughs> song that came to mind at this point i might touch on it as we as we finish up um later um i love you lord and i lift my voice to worship you all my soul rejoice take joy my king in what you hear may it be a sweet sweet sound in your ear Um, there's a book I read quite a while ago um, that ties in perfectly with us. It's uh, Desiring God, John Piper. There's a quote in it um, and another quote as well, which kind of sum all this up. The climax of... That's probably at the end of all this, but we'll, we'll touch on it later again. The climax of God's happiness is the delight he takes and the echoes of his excellence in the praises of his people. I'll read that again. The climax of God's happiness is the delight he takes in the echoes of his excellence in the praises of his people. And at root, what God delights in about us is that we delight in him. At root, what God delights in about us is that we delight in him. So that's, that's why he's singing over us. That's why he's, he's beckoning us. He wants us to come and he wants us to Take joy, take joy, my king, in what you hear. Um, I said earlier um, that uh, Satan doesn't sing, um, he has no joy. Um, there's a power in delighting with him, power in delighting in him. Uh, Nehemiah 10. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Um, I believe if you're not singing, you've no joy and that you've no strength. Um, 
I know personally just through more difficult times a few years ago I kept my song and I kept I'm thankful I can sit with a guitar and worship them by myself and raise a hallelujah <laughs> in those times where it's difficult um, I'm really blessed to be able to do that I would encourage all of you even if you can't you don't think you can sing and you mightn't be able to play an instrument encourage yourself in the Lord David did that and I believe I might be wrong I might, I'll get talking to David one day that he, he wrote the Psalms out of that he encouraged himself in the Lord he wrote the Psalms the Psalms were born out of that I don't know if he sat with a harp or what his what his harp was but I believe he encouraged himself in those difficult times by worshipping and that's what we'll have with all the Psalms before us now so the enemy wants to steal our joy um, three key areas um, and Zephaniah chapter 3 touches on these um, sin verse 15 the Lord has taken away the judgments against you he has cleared away your enemies the king of Israel the Lord is in your midst you shall never again fear evil the Lord has taken away the judgments against you he has cleared away your enemies and verse 19 as well I might have it here yep and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth he has taken away I said earlier he's taken our sin as far as these is from the West it's the enemy that comes and tries to condemn us again over past sins he is faithful he has forgiven our sin it's, it's it can't come back it's finished um, the blood has cleansed us thank you for the blood Lord so the first is sin he will try to use our sin to make us feel like we can't sing or we can't worship or we can't come in and delight in him because we feel like how could he possibly delight in me I've done this this week I've done that last week I did that 10 years ago how could he delight in me again I said it earlier that's condemnation from the enemy um, he has dealt with that um, praise God that we just have to rest in the finished work so don't let sin prevent you from delighting in him don't let sin take away your joy don't let sin take away your, your joy and your song second is fear um, we've already touched on a couple of the verses there um, it's really verse 15 again the Lord the King of Israel the Lord is in your midst you shall never again fear evil verse 16 17 fear not O Zion let not your hands grow weak the Lord your God is in your midst a mighty one who will save he wants to cripple us with fear he wants to stop us from a doing things for him but b actually being able to delight and sing he wants us to feel like God's distant verse 15 says he's in our midst the Lord your God is in your midst um, he's cleared away our enemies um, that doesn't mean to say we will not have opposition but God is in our midst God is on our side um, I'd rather have God on my side because I know what side wins 
um, says, let not your hands grow weak. The enemy wants us to get just so fearful that we don't have any strength to do things. But it's him, him that makes us strong. So fear not, O Zion, let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst. He is a mighty one who will save. So be encouraged by that. Psalm 18, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation and my stronghold. I'm just going to pause there because I, I love Psalm 18. I spoke before about Psalm 18 one morning here. It's my favourite psalm because it just speaks of just the trust and standing firm in God. Verse 3, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am safe from my enemies. Verse 6, in my distress, I called upon the Lord to my God. I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice and my cry to him reached his ears. He sent from on high. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Um, love that psalm. Um, God is faithful. When we call, he is right there in our, in our midst. Um, so do not fear. Don't let discouragement of things have come and not worked out as they should have. Don't let that stop you from singing. Um, for me, I, I was discouraged, but I kept singing. I knew God was faithful and you would bring me through. You have to keep singing through it. And that's part of that song, Raise the Hallelujah. There's a storm going on the guys who wrote that. But they sang, they wrote that song. It was born out of a time of trial. Um, but really it is about singing in the middle of the storm and singing louder and louder and louder. Um, encourage yourself in the Lord, people. The third um, way he'll try to get us is unbelief. Um, verse 12 says, I, But I will, I will leave in your midst the people humble and lowly. They will seek refuge in the name of the Lord. Um, why would he delight in me? I can't believe that the Lord God Almighty would delight in me. I, I, I don't get that. It's kind of like the wee bit maybe to the sin one, but doubting that he would, even if you're walking well, walking with him, that just that the God Almighty would delight in me. Um, that we can, can't possibly delight in a holy God. Um but it says basically because you have humbled yourself before God, um, he delights in you. I said earlier, a couple of those uh, quotes from John Piper, he delights in us delighting in him. Um, he wants us to delight in him. So don't, don't disbelieve that. Don't think that God doesn't sing or delight in us. That's one trend just to get across in this. But Romans 2, 29 but a Jew is, not, is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. Um, I want my praise to be from God, not from man. Um, think of that verse as well. Well done, good and faithful servant. I want to hear those words. I want to believe those words. 
I don't want the enemy to trip me up with unbelief in any way to not take hold of the promises and that he's speaking over my life or that he's speaking over your life. Um, I want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. So, bring this thing into land. <laughs> um, there's a couple of verses I was talking about earlier from John Piper again. I think it's, I think the, the, the sum this all up really well. The climax of God's happiness is the desire he takes and the echoes of his excellence and the praises of his people. And at root, what God delights in about us is that we delight in him. God's singing over us. Um, and he wants us to sing with him. He wants us to sing on to him. If we're not singing, I, I said earlier, I don't think we don't have joy. and We don't have power. I think if we're a people singing on to him and taking joy, we're going to be able to fight those battles and come out the other side. We're going to be able to lay hold of the things that God puts in our heart um, and not see unbelief cripple us in that because we're going to be able to come through and encourage each other in that. Again, the joy of the Lord is your strength. <coughs> said earlier, David encouraged himself in the Lord. So we are commanded to sing. Heaven will be full of singing, so we better get used to it. Uh, said earlier about the sound of rushing waters, many waters. Um, that's heaven rejoicing. We're going to be part of that. Um, that's, that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be worshipping. Um, I'm excited about that. Um, I want to close just with one. I said about that song earlier, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. There was another random song came to me this morning. You all know it, David. Um, it's a good old third day song. Um, but I, I want this to be... I want this to kind of be what, what I am doing, what I am singing, and that one. Of, I think it's offerings too. Sing, sing a song. I want to sing a song for you, Lord. Lord, for you, I want to sing a song. I want to lift my voice to heaven and listen to the angels sing along. A song of your faithfulness, a song of your grace, and of your loving kindness, to the glory of your name. With everything that's in me, listen to me say, I want to sing a song. I want to sing a song. Um, it's a bit of a random one, but again, as we come and worship him, um, I want us to be able to lift a song. I want to be able to lift a song of worship on him. Um, if you don't know what to sing on him, there's going to be words there, but there's many a thing I just read out, singing of his goodness, his faithfulness, of his love and kindness. He's good. Um, we sang earlier, you're good. In the morning, I'll sing, you're good. In the, in the evening, I'll, I'll sing, you're good. Um, I want us to really lay hold of that. I don't want the enemy coming and stealing that joy, that song that he's putting in our hearts. This is a worshiping community. I don't want to see God come and take people's joy in this place and stop them from singing or feeling like they can't sing. So maybe I'll just praise Aaron, um, get ready to come up. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, that you are singing over us this morning, Lord. That, Lord, first and foremost, that you delight in us, Lord, and that you give, give your only son for us. That is the measure of just how much you love us, Lord, that you, you gave your only son. Um, Lord, I thank you, Lord, you delight in us, Lord. We may not feel like we delight in it 
um, that you delight in us, but I pray for anybody this morning that any of those areas that we've touched on, whether it be sin or fear or unbelief, that would stop us from singing, that the enemy wouldn't have his way this morning, Lord, that the enemy wouldn't be able to steal our joy in this place this morning. Lord, would you fill, fill me afresh, Lord, with your joy, Lord? Fill, fill each of us with your joy and with, with a song, Lord, to, to sing of your goodness in this place this morning, Lord. Lord, thank you that you've given us just the gift of worship, Lord. Lord, thank you that we have a freedom and a liberty to sing unto you this morning, Lord. So, Lord, help us to sing. Help us to raise a hallelujah unto them in this place this morning, Lord. In your precious name. Amen.